Hi, and welcome to the Black Mum to Midwife podcast. First up, disclaimer. I'm a student midwife, so therefore I'm nowhere near qualified to giving any sort of medical advice. If you do have any issues or worries, please contact your GP, midwife or other healthcare professionals. Now that's out of the way, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Black Mum to Midwife podcast. I'm Chelsea, your host, the Black Mum to Midwife. Um, and I just wanted to do a little quick intro, really. I don't usually do these, but um, this is just going to be like a mini episode. I don't have any fabulous guests this week. It'll just be me um, chatting to you guys and letting you know what's been going on, what I've been up to, and just a couple things that I wanted to speak about, really. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy the episode. Please share, like, subscribe, rate, review. I'll be ever so grateful. So yeah, on with the episode. I'm just going to jump straight in with a roundup of what's been happening. So for me, I will start with uni. Um, what's been going on? So I am... Cracking on still with medicines management unit, which I'm actually really, really enjoying. Um, it's going at a nice pace and we've actually had some face-to-face like sessions, which has been really, really nice. It's, um, yeah, really boosted morale a bit and I've really enjoyed actually being in a room with other people, listening to conversations, experiences, uh, listening to people's questions and answers and it's just nice to have contact with other people and <laughs> um, so yeah that's been going great um, we had a session this week which was for uh, which is a OSCE prep session so I'm feeling a lot more at ease um, I've just got to keep practice but I've just got to practice 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 um, my drug administration demonstration um, and um, yeah just keep kind of actively recalling bits and pieces that might come up in the viva part of it as well so that's been going great um placement wise uh oh no 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 go back to theory back to theory so i received my grade for that research critique um if a lot of you will already know if you've listened to previous episodes how much I hated doing this particular assignment because it was just so difficult for me um but we received our grades I'm really really pleased with the grade I got um actually quite shocked um with the grade I got um but yeah just really really thankful that it was good and I don't have to redo it so that's done that's like the only essay that we've had to do this year um, so I'm glad that that's done and um, I got a decent mark for that. I'm still yet to hear our exam results <laughs> and I know that's not going to be good. I'm, I've made peace with the fact that that is not going to be, it's probably going to be my worst grade yet to date. Um, but I'm fully prepared for that to be honest. Just as long as I pass it, it's, it'll be all good because I was not in a good place. My head was not in the game when it came to medical conditions at all 
Um, yeah, it just wasn't. And uh, I know I haven't, that's not going to be my finest hour, but a pass is all I'm after, um, just so I don't have to redo it. Um, so yeah, I'm waiting for those. I think I'm not actually sure when we're going to get the results for that. Um, yeah, I'm not like holding my breath <laughs> for it, basically. Um, yeah, so that's that. Um, placement, how's that going? Placement is going going well. I'm back on delivery suite now, so I'm into my second week back on delivery. So I'm kind of readjusting to uh, being back there. Um, I had a really good first week, busy, busy first couple of shifts back um, and got, got a few catches, so that was nice. Um, um, but there's also been some not great kind of outcomes recently. Um, and I've kind of been thinking about how I manage those kinds of things. Because when you're on shift, you just kind of have to get on with whatever you need to get on with. Especially when it's busy, you don't really have time to sit and kind of reflect and think about how you're feeling about certain things. So um, that's just one of the reasons why I've actually decided to um, start journaling just for, and it's journaling just for my kind of mental, emotional health and well-being because I'm an internaliser. I just keep things in and it's not, I know it's not healthy, I know that's not healthy, but I just do. Um, to the point where my head feels like it's about to explode because there's just so much stuff swilling around in there. So I think journaling might be a good way of helping me just to get things out of my head, onto paper, and actually kind of thinking of ways to, like, actual, like, practical ways of dealing with things as opposed to just not really allowing myself to think about things too much. Um... So yeah, I'm, I've got myself a nice new journal. I've been YouTubing. <laughs> I've been YouTube is like my go-to for everything. If I don't know how to do something, YouTube. Um, so I've been YouTubing bullet journaling videos. I've got myself a bullet journal. And yeah, I'm going to give it a go. Um, just because I've been feeling a bit like a bit all over the place where that's concerned anyway recently I just thought it'd be a good way of kind of tracking things um tracking things like daily habits like how I'm sleeping um you know how even, even things like staying hydrated during the day sometimes I will go the like half the day's gone and I'm like oh gosh I haven't had a drink of water yeah which is not good um so just kind of things like that that will just give me that kind of look after yourself Chelsea sometimes I just kind of neglect myself a little bit but um yeah so I'm going to start journaling um just to kind of help myself really not have too many tabs open in my brain um but yeah it's been going it's been going okay um so I'm glad to be back on delivery I just want to I want to end second year on a decent number of catches because I my pad is mm, I really need to work on getting <laughs> filling bits and pieces more of it out um 
yeah that's what I need to do so I don't want to be like stressing next year I want to try and get as much kind of pad stuff filled out uh, including deliveries any deliveries I can get this year obviously I'm gonna definitely go for and try and get um just so I don't have like just loads to do towards the end of like third year so yeah so placement's going placement's going well um yeah, there's still the struggle with online learning, but um, yeah, we just have to suck it up now. Just have to get on with it. It doesn't look like things are going to be changing anytime soon. So yeah, just have to get on with that. Just have to get on with that and make time to do a bit of reading or something every day. Um, even when I feel like I just want to go to bed and sleep for a week. So yeah that's good that's uni basically um yeah that's that um not a lot else has been happening like obviously we've been on lockdown for quite a while now <laughs> so yeah I have nothing to report um social wise <laughs> um what else has been happening I have joined a book club but I am like already behind my book club schedule I have um um joined a book club through it's the everyday racism Instagram account they're doing like a book club this year so I've got I've got time I've still got time because the live isn't until like I think it's the 24th of February so I've got like a non-midwifery book I'm trying to read um, non-midwifery books um, as well, just, you know, for enjoyment, enjoyment, because, yeah, apart from eating baked goods, like, reading is, like, um, <laughs> what I enjoy doing as well, so. So, I'm reading a book called White Tears, Brown Scars, How White Feminism Betrays Women of Colour, and that's by Ruby Hamad. Um, yeah, so that's our first book to read during February um and it's definitely something I'm interested in feminism through different lenses is something that I'm very very interested in one of my potential dissertation topics would be to do with intersectionality um and obviously how it affects outcomes with maternity care um yeah, I so I'm really interested in feminism f through different lenses. Feminism through uh, just not the like cis het white like lens. Um, it's something that's interested me for a little while now because of this things that you see online and it's it's very hmm sus, you know, at which. For me, I think I always say that if if your brand of feminism is not intersectional, then I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm not buying it. Um, it's not for me. No, definitely not for me. So, um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting into this book. I actually just have to start reading it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, what else? What else have I been doing? I have been absolutely rinsing Jasmine Sullivan's um, album, recent album. 
hotels. I love it. It took me, it took me ages. I was like, had it like saved on my Spotify, but I didn't actually get around to like, because I like to give albums like proper good listen, like every track all the way through a couple of times and then just, and then I just rinse it. But uh, one of my girlfriends was like, yes, you need to listen to it. You need to listen to it. And yeah, it is a masterpiece. It is an R&B masterpiece. So if you like you some R&B, um, and I mean, even if, you, if you'd like Jasmine Sullivan, like anyway, um, you, you would have already listened to it, to be fair. But um, give it a go. I absolutely loved it. Absolutely love it. Um, and it's just a very real, like, it's like, it's one for the girls, definitely, definitely. Because you, it has, in between, like, each of the, like, songs, there is, like, um, somebody's, like, story, like a snapshot of um, either how they are in relationships, how they've viewed certain aspects of being in relationships, um, how maybe their relationship has fallen apart, maybe how they kind of F things up. Or It's just really, really good, really, really good. Really honest look at women, um, women, sex, relationships. It's cool. I really, really love it. So I definitely, definitely recommend that. Jasmine Sullivan, she's a queen. So that's what I've been listening to on repeat. Um, trying not to let the little one hear too much of it. <laughs> but she she does kind of hear like the choruses and sings along. Um, but you know, um, it's art, it's art. So there's like a couple of things that I, yeah, that I wanted to speak about that's been ha that has happened recently. So the first thing, um, was I I was on shift this week and one of the midwives um mentioned a newspaper article um well I say newspaper I use that term very loosely you can probably guess what uh, paper I'm talking about um but they were talking about basically um a trust an NHS trust has in has kind of updated their policy on inclusive language um which i think is amazing um really is um they have a whole bit about gender inclusion um and that's the brighton and sussex university hospital nhs trust big up you big up brighton and east and sussex um and i think it's i think it's brilliant i think it's a step in the right direction i think for well since well forever really I think people who I don't who are trans and who are non-binary have just been kind of have not been acknowledged in like the medical field you have like forms to fill in and it's always you know male female rather not say or you know you never have trans you know trans man trans male trans female you never have non-binary like I've never seen it it's always you're either this or you're either that or you don't want to say what well, you know and that is just those kind of little things for me that's like one of those little things that will chip chip away at you like you know and not being recognized as you know a person not being recognized for who you are um so I think gender inclusion and inclusive language is a great thing but boy some of these conversations online 
wow like some people like wow people some people are really upset about it and that baffles me that really baffles me and you get some real kind of turfish behavior uh from people coming out saying wild things like you know it's like like how does including okay including language that you know identifies people who are trans and identifies people who are non-binary who have been marginalized for so long how does including them now suddenly turn into erasing womankind like erasing women like oh now we're not allowed to say don't don't be stupid nobody says you're not allowed to say woman nobody says you're not allowed to say breast nobody says you're not they're going to change the like change the job title of a midwife like no like if you if you took the time to actually speak to you know someone who was non-binary or something they do not want to like like annihilate all women like they don't that's not what they want they simply want to be included that's it like that's it nobody's saying that using the word woman would offend people it doesn't offend people what offends people is that not being not being acknowledged that's offensive to me that's offensive not being acknowledged for who you are you know, simply because of your your gender identity, that's offensive. So people need to just calm down, like really calm down and chill, like just chill, because the addition of words and the addition of language and the inclusion of people does not mean that you're they're suddenly going to be replacing womanhood or you're replacing women. It's ridiculous. Like not everybody that gives birth identifies as a woman not everybody that gives birth is a woman like it's just 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 that's just it that's the fact just get off just get over it like seriously get over it but I've seen some opinions from people who are in healthcare and I'm like huh I'm like oh like you know things like oh um that if the, someone was, was was to call um instead of saying breastfeeding if they were to say chest feeding it would offend me why hun why would that offend you what is so offensive about that nobody says that you have to call what you do chest feeding but for somebody else who does not you know who does not have breasts who will use their chest to feed their young they will call it chest feeding for themselves. And if you are the person who's providing care for that person, you would put place them at the centre of your care and you would refer to chest feeding when you are caring for them. What is there to get offended over? Like, I just... It It was, it was really disappointing seeing... Um, seeing some of these opinions especially from people who are also student midwives I'm sorry to say um yeah that wasn't that wasn't great um it was yeah it was just really disappointing really disappointing um and that's another it's just why I just think I think intersectionality and maternity care like I really think that this is going to be like 
a heavy base for my like dissertation topic like I'm I, I'm kind of zoning like zeroing in on this kind of aspect because me as a black woman I totally understand like um it's like when people all lives matter like things it's like oh by saying black lives matter it means oh what about white lives nobody's saying you know you know the argument I'm not going to say that again I'm just going to get myself upset but it just really infuriates me that people cannot see past themselves that they just have to center themselves over everything like it's not about you not about you it's about people that are that have been marginalized it's about people that are being constantly misgendered it's about people that are being harmed by ridiculous and you know quite dangerous like biases to be honest with you so yeah I'm all for it as I said big up you Brighton and Sussex University Hospital Trust um and I think yeah a lot of people really need to like just just chill and really think about like what you're saying like think about where these where this like feeling of being offended where it's actually coming from like why you feel why do you feel that way um yeah yeah really 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 irritates me that really irks me it made me and seeing some of these comments from people really made me itch but you know um yeah I just yeah it boggles my mind a bit it really boggles my mind and that's why I think People being aware of just having, like, a certain level of competence. You don't even, okay, like, if you might not know anyone who belongs to the LGBTQ community, like, but having kind of being competent and being aware of, you know, things like gender inclusion, things like the language that you use, things like just being like open-minded in what a family just being open-minded in your view of what a family would look like um it's for me that would just come naturally with providing care for different kinds of people like not every family is a like a like cis cis het male female you know that's just that's just not not that's not everybody and I feel like if you have an issue with that not being everybody, you shouldn't really be kind of caring for people. The same as if you have kind of racial biases, if you have biases against people because of their ethnicity or their culture, you shouldn't be in this, like, I don't want you, if you can't, if you can't see why Black Lives Matter, I don't want you touching me. I don't want you anywhere near me. I don't want you touching my baby. I don't, I don't want you near me, to be honest with you. Because the way things are right now, mm -mm, mm, no, no, it's not happening. It's not happening. And I think it, and I think it's exactly the same with um, members of the LGBTQ community. They need to be accept, like understood. They need you need to be aware of how things like language can be harmful. Things like misgendering can be harmful. Um, I just, yeah. It's something I'm really, really passionate about um, because everybody, like everybody, deserves to have gold standard care. And part of that care, I think, is taking the time and actually um, taking the time and effort to 
to learn about the people who you're caring for, to learn about different cultures, to learn about the LGBTQ community and what they've actually been through, because it's a lot. Um, and, you know, I just, I think it just reflects poorly on uh, on people when they have these real, really reactionary um like views and opinions and they just come blurting out with this nonsense and I mean well, what I think is nonsense anyway without actually looking at the bigger picture and thinking you know put have like show some empathy like imagine the sh- like you being com- marginalized all the time especially within healthcare you know why would just using different terms or including different language be such a ball ache for someone you know if it will just make that person feel more cared for make that person feel more safe I don't know I don't know but yeah that's that's my rant on that so the other thing I wanted to um talk about was there is going to be a documentary um which I'm really looking forward to actually um about um the maternal mortality crisis issue um, uh, for black women in the UK. And I'm really, 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 really glad that this is, like, being looked at um, again on um, and being broadcast to a kind of, like, a broad audience. Um, however, <laughs> however, there I was really, really disappointed with... What I was disappointed with was the kind of media sideshow that kind of took from, in my opinion, took away from the importance of the actual of this issue. What what kind of transpired was um, Rochelle Humes is fronting this um, documentary. Um, there was kind of word that um, Candice Brathwaite, I love you Candice, um, was also in the running for this, but then it turns out that this there was another documentary that Candice was going to be um, hosting. This one didn't go ahead. The one with Rochelle is going ahead. Um, they approached Candice to kind of take part in this one, but she declined, which is, you know, she's well within her rights to do, because Candice has been tirelessly... Um, using her voice, using her platform, um, raising awareness, speaking about her own really, really traumatic experience with her um, first after her first pregnancy, um, and she's she's wrote she's wrote about it in her book as well. Which, if you haven't read, please, please, please read it. Please read it and thank me later. It's really, really good. I'm not your baby mother by Candice Brathwaite. Go get it. Um, um, and then there, there, it was like a clash of, uh, it was like Candice and like Rochelle and it was just, for me, it was, the first thing that came to my mind was, um, the dehumanize further dehumanizing black women by pitting one against the other. And in a way that is that just reeks of colorism. It just it just does. Um, if you aren't kind of familiar with the term, um, I actually 
um, hosted a really, really good um, uh, conversation about the topic, and it was in episode four, episode four called Brown Skin Girl, where uh, me and a couple of other ladies kind of jump in and talk about what it means to us. Um, because it's very real and it's a very, very big problem. And I feel like the media knowingly, you know, these production companies knowingly kind of did what they did. Um, and whilst I, um, I really, really appreciate like that Rochelle's taking this on and, um, that she's, you know, going on this journey and finding out about what's been, you know, what has been going on. It it kind of irks me a bit because, you know, she she's a private hospital to have her babies, like to have, her, to have children in, and that's her prerogative, that's her business. She isn't like, you know, she's not, she's not like Candice, she's not dark-skinned black woman who are more likely to die than somebody like Rochelle, who is actually of mixed heritage. Um, so I think it should have been, it would have made more sense to actually have a black woman doing this thing. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, but what I didn't, I really didn't like is the fact that, yeah, that the the this whole situation just kind of the main issue was sidelined by this oh you know was it supposed to be her was it supposed to be her Th that's not that's not that's not cool like it's so blatant to me and it was really infuriating um and it's yeah it was very 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 blatant to me and, and I saw a tweet um by uh Dr Shola Moss I'm really sorry, but I can't say the last bit of your surname. Um, and she said that colorism is so regressive. TV networks know and manipulate it to cause division. Candice Brathwaite and Rochelle Humes are good presenters. Blame lies with the networks who think high mortality rate of dark-skinned black mothers isn't served by dark skin by a dark-skinned black presenter who campaigned it. And that is, that, yeah, that sums it up, really. Um, I know lots of people kind of, like, jumped on Rochelle and things like that. And I can't, I kind of see why as well. Because, you know, she's had, like, a completely different experience to, you know, her experience as a mixed-race woman is completely different to my experience as, like, a darker-skinned black woman. Um and those things and colorism plays a huge part in that like a huge huge part in that um and there was i think there was a documentary called the talk um and her and her husband appeared on that and they you know they were saying that they they didn't want to you know they're not going to have the talk you know about racism with their children they don't feel like they want to do that and you know that is like a privilege <laughs> um of being like you know light of complexion because my parents had no choice but to have a conversation with me I had no choice you know that I had no choice we had no choice in that that choice wasn't ours to make it, it was we had to do it my parents had to do it my dad sat me down and was like listen 
this is how it's going to be because one you are female and two you are black like this is not going to be an easy ride for you because of these things and that's not something that he felt like he had a choice in it was something that he felt he had to do and I'm glad he did but again they you know said you know I don't we're not going to do that and that's you know that's cool but um for some of us we don't have the choice and that's another thing with that comes with colorism um is that the darker you are the more just the more kind of bullshit you actually have to uh withstand or put up with endure um and it's not fair um uh, but that's how it is and it's really sad it's perpetuated by us like our own communities as well um I'm not going to repeat like what um we spoke about but if you do want to um have a listen uh to our chat about colorism um that you can catch that in episode four but that was another thing that kind of wound me up a bit um and it was just taking away from the purpose taking away from like the main topic which was the the subject of the documentary like this is what should have been at the forefront of this is what should have been like you know the main kind of headline oh this 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 is going on not oh this this black woman versus this black woman it's just it's really it just really annoyed me it's just as I said yeah just dehumanizing um and just taking away from the main issue Um, but on the upside, um, a positive thing is that I um, I will be getting involved with um, an amazing campaign called um, Black Mums Matter Too. So basically, this campaign is for um, women in the in England. Um, they're recruiting. The campaign is recruiting two hundred women who are either pregnant in their last trimester or with in within the first three months postnatal postnatally and um what's on offer is basically expert um advice so advice from practitioners um i will actually be offering advice as a hypnobirthing practitioner um they'll be using the peppy app um uh, they will be able to kind of join broadcasts um and just kind of open up um open up different conversations and also um uh, different services that maybe they wouldn't ordinarily be aware of or um have information about which i mean i think especially antenatally i think education 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 is just so important from yet from hypnobirthing obviously i'm a massive hypnobirthing advocate i love it i love it love it um but things like breastfeeding information and um, education antenatally at the moment obviously with the way things are with the whole covid thing um antenatal classes i think sometimes are reduced to like videos or you know and that's really 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 sad i'm really sad about that um so i know there there are a lot of mums who maybe are like struggling like with just finding information and finding support um so i i jumped at the chance really to be a part of this um um campaign um, if you follow black, black 
Black Mums Matter too um, on the gram. Um, you'll find out about their awesome um, campaign. And I'll also pop a link in um, the description uh, for this episode. So, yeah, so that's something I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, so I'll be um, doing a broadcast. And that'll be for um, mums, parents-to-be and partners. I'm hoping I get quite a lot of partners joining as well because uh, Hit My Birthing is really, really, really great for partners getting involved in. Um, yeah, so that's really something to look forward to. And that rounds up in a 30-something minute uh, nutshell <laughs> what's been happening. So another thing I wanted to talk about was um, like a personal, you could say personal passion project, but it's more than that. Um, And a little while ago, I um, posted on Instagram some stories about me um, kind of using my passion Uh, particularly around the subjects of race and anti-racism with regards to um, midwifery, midwifery education and maternity care and um, and also hypnobirthing. And so I've decided to kind of put together um, some kind of study days, study afternoons, study, like a few study hours, workshops, um, you could say, for, I mean, mostly I would say that these would be for um, midwifery students because I, you know how I feel about um, sometimes the gaps in midwifery education can have such a big impact on the care that midwives end up giving or the care that women and birthing people end up receiving. And I think that to not acknowledge the um, importance of having some sort of knowledge, awareness, and um, about how racism does affect healthcare. Racism is not just the actions of people, but is it's a system, and it's a system that's so deeply rooted in society that it does permeate through uh, our education systems, our um, our healthcare systems, the criminal justice systems, all these things. Um, I'm not going to start going on about it. <laughs> I'm not going to give up the good stuff for free. But, um, but what I'm trying to say is that I am now in the process of um, putting together workshops um, aimed at student midwives for the most part, but also other birth workers, just because I feel like it's just such an important thing that people need to be aware of and that people need to reflect on when it comes to how they practice and how they interact with people. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to be doing that. They're going to be like, I don't know, like three hour workshops, um, that just kind of gives people a safe space to like ask questions, to kind of challenge themselves, to kind of reflect on what they know and what they don't know, um, in, in, an, in an environment that is encourage like encourages learning and growth essentially I'm not here to kind of beat people over the head with you know ah you're racistic like that's not what I'm trying to do what I hope to do is just to 
encourage people to have these conversations that so many people just try desperately to avoid. We can't avoid we can't avoid talking about race anymore. You you've heard the embrace report statistics. You know that black women in the UK are four to five times likely more likely to die during pregnancy in the perinatal period than their white counterparts. That Asian women are twice as likely that women of mixed heritage, women and birthing people, sorry, I should say, of mixed heritage are also uh, three times more likely to die. So we can't skirt around it. We can't, you know, just ignore it and hope it will go away. That that has not worked. That will not work. And so we need to actively confront it, speak about it and figure out ways to dismantle these systems. So that's what I um, am working on. And I'll make an announcement when that's all ready and good to go. But um, I just thought I'd explain my reasons for it, really. Um, And then also, I think, um, obviously, I'm a hypnobirthing practitioner as well. And um, I found that things um, that I've learnt with regards to supporting people with hypnobirthing, I found incredibly, incredibly helpful in the kind of delivery suite um, birthing setting because it, I found it very overwhelming at first. I'm not going to lie, when I first had my first few shifts on delivery suite, it was very overwhelming. I was kind of like, oh my gosh, what do I say? Oh my God, like, wh- what do I do? Where do I stand? Like, how do I, you know, how do I behave in this kind of um, situation, in this kind of setting? But I found I've become a lot more confident when I kind of think of and draw on... Um, my knowledge of hypnobirthing and how I can interact more with people and how sometimes I should just take a step back and be quiet when I can step in and be, you know, giving them some, you know, positive affirmations, um, you know, giving them words of encouragement, helping them to focus on their breathing and kind of calm them down a bit. Um, And it really, it really helps me build a lot of confidence. So I think, having like a basic knowledge of what hypnobirthing can do, particularly as a student midwife, I think will be really helpful. Um, And also in how you can kind of explain things to women as well. I find that sometimes when you're looking at it from like a strictly a physiological point of view, trying to explain things, you know, the layers of muscle and this and that, it's not, it's not going to, it's not going to get through. But having that kind of experience of hypnobirthing of giving people basic physiological knowledge of what's going on with their bodies can be really helpful and it can really kind of put them at ease and that's another um kind of tool that I use so that's another one of my workshops that I'm going to be offering um and they I'm going to be I'm going to be putting them on my uh Kofi it's pronounced Kofi because I was pronouncing it coffee um on my commissions list um and I'll also have bits and pieces on my um Instagram um like highlights so I should I'll put them there as well but I'm really really excited um to do this and yeah I'm just yeah happy really really um excited to kind of share knowledge and things like that with other students and birth workers so yeah, that's that's one thing that I've uh, been thinking about. Um, and lastly, but by no means least, I just wanted to give a massive shout out to all the aspiring student midwives who are going through the application process at the minute. Um, 
I know their kind of interviewing process must, is a lot different because obviously everything's going to be online and things like that. But I just wanted to give them a shout out because I've, you know, now seeing it's that time of year where people are going for interviews, are getting their offers, securing their offers. And um, yeah, I just wanted to big up you lot, really. And uh, I remember, I mean, I only applied for one institution because uh, logistically that was that was the only option that I had, really. So um but yeah, going through that kind of interview process, I'm glad I only had to do it the once. I'm not going to lie because I tend to turn into like a sweaty mess when it comes to interview situations. No matter if I if I end up getting a, the job or the place or plate or you know get offered a place or anything like that, I always without fail get nervous at interviews, and I have to try really really hard to just kind of calm myself down. So um, yeah, I wish you guys all the luck, and just the one tip I would give is no matter how nervous you are and no matter how sweaty your palms will get the main thing is just to show your passion show your passion for midwifery show your understanding of the role the varied role of a midwife and um and also big up your skills like you have to big yourself up i know it's cringy but all those transferable skills that you would have gained either through education through part-time jobs through previous careers just everything that you can transfer over to being a, to being a brilliant midwife then talk up the things like talk yourself up um yeah so I just wanted to say add that little bit on at the end so yeah that's it that's it for this episode um I've hoped you I hope I haven't sent you to sleep with all my blathering on um so yeah please 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 keep an eye out um if your midwifery society or uni um is interested in either of the workshops that I've mentioned please do get in touch either by social media or drop me an email and yeah I'll be happy to talk about that with you so yeah enjoy the rest of your week whatever day I decide to publish this um and yeah just go and be great guys bye thanks for tuning in to this episode of the black mom to midwife podcast catch me over on instagram to keep up with my midwifery journey and stay up to date with all upcoming podcast episodes